The Adam Crowley Show. I'm with you, and you know what? That'd be an even better point than your cheese teeth today. And that's saying something, because your cheese teasers are unbelievable. Thank and you, sir. they're my favorite thing on Twitter. Adam Crowley. Oh, yeah. Cheese. Yeah. On ESPN Pittsburgh. the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 4129-222-874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. You can get after him on Twitter, at FBomber73, and yet shirtless Tom behind the glass. Follow him on Twitter, at ButtonPusher970. Public service announcement. Coming up in about five, six minutes, I'm going to talk about the National Anthem protests that we saw last night around the National Football League. So, if you don't want me to ruin your day, if you're going to be triggered, if you're going to be offended, five, six minutes, go ahead and just keep the radio on. Because I would love to offend you today. It would be my absolute pleasure. There were a couple of things going into last night's game that I was concerned about, and last night's game actually helped mitigate those fears a little bit for me. The Steelers' O-line depth scares me, and as you heard in our conversation with Tim Benz, last night doesn't change that, but I do feel a little bit, just a little bit better about it now because I saw Chooks play, and he was impressive. He's got good feet. He's quick. And I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He also profiles perfectly for the left or right tackle spot based on his size. He looks like an NFL tackle. He looks like somebody that if you line up across from in the National Football League, you'd say, okay, that guy's a pro. You feel good about it. And even Hubbard, who I like, does not look like him. Hubbard does not look like Chooks. Chooks got that bod, yo. Now, there was one play on the Fletcher Cox sack that... We did see David DeCastro get victimized. I think Chooks was kind of at fault there. He didn't block anybody. He slided to his right. In comes Fletcher Cox, who is going to kick everyone's ass. If you're kicking David DeCastro's ass, you can kick a lot of ass in the National Football League. Makes his move. Bam. See you later, Landry Jones. I think that in the future, and when they look at the tape, you're going to see Chooks block down. I think he's going to help out a little bit and... Those are the kind of things that you worry about with a left tackle who's a rookie, who's a third-round pick in the National Football League. That being said, I feel better about him today than I did yesterday. That sack aside, I feel better about Chooks, Okafor, Arakafor, Okorafor, Okorafor. That's it! Yes! Than I did yesterday. I feel better about him. The other guy who has mitigated some fears is James Washington. Coming into camp, one of my big questions was, can he be a deep threat? Can he make contested catches with his odd-ass frame? He's 5'11". Deep threats in the National Football League either have blazing speed, which he doesn't, or they're tall, which he's not. And you wonder, how does a guy who is as stocky as he is, with as high of a waist as he has, have the success going down the field 
like he does in college. And we saw it last night. First of all, he's smart. But secondly, he can go up and get it. He's an athlete. He can go up and rip that football away. He can adjust in the air in making a play on the football. And we've seen it all throughout training camp. And I was not at many camp and OTAs, so I didn't see it there. But what you heard was good things in that regard. But at camp, you're seeing it. And I wanted to see it in the bright lights. We saw it yesterday. Mason Rudolph from the left hash. Offsides play. Who's he looking for? His would-be, his boy, his pillow. James Washington. And he hurls it. James goes up, plucks it out of the air. And some of my worries went away. Because the Steelers' offense is complete. Juju Smith-Schuster, as we've talked about already, is lit. He's a good football player. 900 yards as a rookie. He was the best receiver in the league as a rookie last year. Damn good. Antonio Brown is the best receiver in all of football, rookie or otherwise. Eli Rogers, we'll see how his development goes, but you know what he is when he's healthy. He could be a legitimate slot receiver threat in this league. Vance McDonald, when healthy, can stretch the field in the seam. He's also got great speed. He could be a red zone target. The one thing that you worried about was if the Steelers have that deep threat or not. Can James Washington be that guy? He can't run by people, and he's not taller than most corners in the National Football League, but he is kind of taller than them because of the jumping ability, because of that catch radius that he does have. And I was happy to see that put on display yesterday. There was one play, though, early in the game that it was the opposite. Ball was thrown, corner of the end zone, and he turned the wrong way. Ball went through his hands. I've seen enough plays in training camp and that play at the end of the game for Mason to realize that's probably the anomaly. That's probably not the pattern. I feel better about him than I did going in. Without a doubt. Now, if only we could see him play with Ben Roethlisberger. People keep asking for Mason Rudolph to get a chance with the number ones, number twos. Yeah, I don't need to see that. I I really don't. That's not what I need to see to realize that Mason Rudolph's got potential. What I do need to see, though, is Mason Rudolph's security blanket, his whoopee, his pillow, working with Ben Roethlisberger so that they can get a rapport because if the Steelers are going to have a deep threat this year, it's that guy. All right, here it is. It's offensive time. Get ready to be offended! Boy, the NFL screwed the pooch on the anthem. Oh, my God. I mean, how many times are you going to say it during this offseason? They screwed the pooch on the anthem. If you want to have the conversation whether players should be doing it or not, we can have that another day. In fact, I'm sure we'll have that another day. But the reality is it's happening, and it's not slowing down, and I know why. And I've told you what. Here's what did happen yesterday. Two Miami Dolphins wide receivers, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, kneeled during the national anthem before their team's preseason game against Tampa. Philadelphia Eagles players, you didn't see this on KDKA, Malcolm Jenkins and Devontae Bosby also raised their fists during the anthem. You saw Alshon Jeffrey, Shelton Gibson, Hale Dub V, Danny Uchikubadabadaba, and Kamar Aiken, they wore pregame shirts bearing statistics about racial inequality in U.S. prisons in voter disenfranchisement. Franchisement. Disenfranchisement. Nailed it. I like that. 
That's a good move. You wear the shirts, you get your point across, you don't do anything during the anthem, no one punches you in the head verbally, the president doesn't smack you in the face. Although, wait a second, he did. Here's what Donald Trump tweeted, quote, The NFL players are at it again! Taking a knee when they should be standing proudly for the national anthem. Numerous players from different teams wanted to show their outrage at something that most of them are unable to define. They make a fortune doing what they love. Be happy. Be cool. A football game that fans are paying so much money to watch and enjoy is no place to protest. Most of that money goes to the players anyway. Find another way to protest. Stand proudly for your national anthem or be suspended without pay! Exclamation point. One little housekeeping detail. The players do not make the majority of their money that is earned by the National Football League. No, they make 48%. So it's still a lot of money. These guys are millionaires. A lot of them, I get it. But just to clarify, 48% of the money goes to the players. The NFL currently holds on to its old policy. That old policy is nothing. Players can kneel, they can raise fists, they can stay in the locker room, all without being punished. Because the NFLPA released a statement challenging new owner-adopted rules, and the NFL in turn announced that both the players and the owners would come to a solution, a solution that they have yet to come to just yet. The NFL owners, though, when they did vote on their solution a couple months ago, they brought this all back up into the mainstream, in the stream of consciousness. Something that Americans weren't thinking about in the middle of the summer was all of a sudden a hot-button issue again. I think, had the NFL just left well enough alone, that players would not have protested. I think you might have seen a few, but I think it would have fallen off the way that it had already fallen off at the end of last year. At the end of the season last year, guys weren't doing it! And yet the solution that the National Football League owners proposed was to try to get the president and his peeps off their back, even though they didn't have to do it because they weren't going to be protesting, I don't think, in mass this year. But now when it's brought back into the mainstream and the NFL owners act out of turn, they don't bring the Players Association into it, players then get pissed. So I think now players are demonstrating not just because they are protesting for racial injustice. It's the biggest slice of the pie. But also because they don't want to be told what to effing do. And whether or not you agree on their stance, I think we should all agree that that is what's happening. I think we should all agree that the NFL and the owners handled this just pissed poorly. And because of that, now Friday, August 10th, right after the preseason opens, we are again talking about this. The NFL always wants to be on the front of newspapers and websites year-long, but not in this regard. The president tweeting about it was obvious to me from the second the owners voted to be able to fine and suspend players for demonstrating. This was always going to happen. The solution wasn't good enough for the president then, wasn't good enough for his base then, and it wasn't good enough for the players at that point. Nobody was happy. I have a solution. I'm not 35, so I'm not running for president. I also don't know if I was born in this country. It's a long story. I have a solution. A real solution. I mean, it's still going to offend someone. But I have one. 
Keep all the players in the tunnel for the anthem. Bang! Bang! Done, fixed. Because if you cancel the anthem, oh, no, no. Yeah, now you're No, you're no, done. you can't no, be doing that. You are so unpatriotic. You can't be doing you that. No that. chance. Yep. You cancel the anthem, the long-held tradition since 2009. <laughs> Donald Trump is going to flip a goose. I mean, he will lose his mind. He, the entire NFL will be unpatriotic, and then the NFL really will bleed. I mean, it would really bleed if they cancel the anthem because of the craziness. They would. If you say the players are going to stay inside, because that's what we used to do, there are no solutions. This ain't going to work either. I'm spent. The, the, the real solution would have been, or is, in fact, getting the friggin' time machine, go back in time, and instead of trying to fix it, don't try to fix it and let it fix itself. I think the real solution, if you have a time machine, is just get rid of Twitter. Whoever created Twitter, just off them, just like the, the Terminator, because essentially it is Skynet at this point. How about this? Here's the real solution, and that's a good one, too, if we're, if we're using time machine. <laughs> How about TV peeps don't show the anthem? Now, the issue then arises, you're going to have media members that are still going to tweet it out. and Well, you've got the, the Twitter hitmen now. You know, you got guys like Adam Beasley who is just like, Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson kneel during the national anthem. Yes. Whether he meant the intent there, that's how I read it. Like the guy in like middle school who's like, oh, oh look they at them, they did it, they did it, they did it, they're in trouble. Another thing to fans, too, just think about it in this way. If you ever wonder if you're being politically motivated, how did the president see a bunch of national anthems that weren't televised? How did he know that all this is going on? He knows it, one, by Twitter, and then, two, he knows it by people running in and go, hey, that platform you want to keep going, it just happened again. You got to get out on it. You're being political. You are completely being politically manipulated by an administration right now, regardless of what side you're on. Uh, you, you couldn't be more right on that, Brian. And what the NFL did was promulgate that. Uh, what they did was, let's all right, owners, let's vote to, to fix this. And that gave Donald another reason to tweet. And then whenever the next statement came out, gave him a reason to tweet, and the next one a reason to tweet. And then yesterday happens, and hey, another reason to tweet. And he wants it to keep going. They don't want it to keep going, yet they give him a reason. Well, see, now him, as well as all of these beat writers and stuff, they see the result of the clicks. This stuff is hot. It gets clicked when they tweet about it, when they say something about it. It's, uh, it's just out of hand. I'm going to watch still. I watch, too. I like ball. And really, it's not that hard to ignore. It's not. If you like football and you don't want to deal with it, it's really simple. Go get your beer during the National Anthem. Really? Are you... As They're a, the you, snowflakes. You know, as a human, do you really... Does this really... Like, think of it, like, down to your core. Does this really work you up in the grand scheme of things? And if it does, maybe there should be some self-evaluation Like, there. a little bit. Because, come on, dude. Look, you, it's America. Yeah, I get it. You like it. We all like it. We love it. None, none of us are leaving. But does the Anthem... Re are you really that invested in the damn song? I, I said it before, and I'll say it again before we get to Matt Williamson. These players that are doing this, they're doing it because of racial injustice. Right. That's what they have to live with, and their people have to live with every single day. What you have to live with is them kneeling down for a minute and 30 seconds. Come on. Do you get this worked up when I tell you I hate a Taylor Swift song? Yes. Well, I, other people, not you, Adam. Okay. 
Shake It Off is a banger. <laughs> Coming up next, Matt Williamson to dissect kneeling. No, Matt Williamson to dissect yesterday's Steelers performance. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Crazy animal, those ducks, Adam. They always try to swim and look calm underneath, but on the surface, they're just... Back to you. Adam Crowley. The Crowman. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The Steelers were victorious last night, 31-14 over the Philadelphia Eagles. That matters not at all. The stuff that does matter, we will talk about right now with Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you today? I am great. How are you? I'm delightful. It's like I just saw you a couple hours ago. Yeah, it does seem that way. As we talk to the wee hours of the night at the post-game show. Matt, I know you're very opinionated when it comes to the anthem controversy. Would you like to comment? (laughs) Nah. Okay, very good. Let's talk about Mason Rudolph then who I think looked good last night given the circumstances of a bad offensive line. Uh, Jalen Samuels did not have an opportunity to shine behind said offensive line, but I actually think it gave us an opportunity to see how well Mason Rudolph can move around in the pocket because the pocket was collapsing from time to time fairly regularly. Yeah, I thought he was composed. I thought he looked the part, and that in itself is you know a passing grade for the first test. Um, something I've been kind of harping on about him is I think his pocket movement and ability to elude the rush while keeping his, his eyes downfield in a calm helmet um, without you know panicking and running out of the pocket, staying within the confines, it was, was certainly on display last night. That's highly positive. But the turnover situation and valuing the football is remaining a problem with them, and it has been through camp. And something I just thought of, you know, just kind of watching them on TV in live action against an opponent was the ball doesn't jump out of his hands either. And you can still be successful in those circumstances, but bro, no doubt, it's it's not it's it's not alarming, but it is surprising seeing the ball come out of his hand given his size. Right, right. I mean, like. You walk around camp or you stand next to him at minicamp, it's like he is a strong, strapping young man that looks the part of a pocket passer. And I'm not saying he has a bad arm. It's just I think it's easy to jump to the conclusion of, boy, he's a pocket passer. He's slinging it around there, putting it in tight windows, driving the ball down the field, you know, out patterns, those type of things, the far hashes. And it hangs in the air a little more, certainly more than a guy like Ben. The last two times we've seen the Steelers' defensive line in a game action, it has not looked good. Now, there was no Cam Hayward yesterday. It is game one of the preseason. But I thought Javon Hargrave was moved off the ball a lot, and I don't think Stephon Tewitt had a particularly great performance last night either. Is there? Should we be worried about that, Matt? Um, not Tewitt. Uh, certainly not yet. I mean, if that would become a theme, maybe. But I think he's pretty proven. Um, but at the nose... We saw it certainly last time you know, we convened last season, and I think that's why Hargrave played well into the second half too. Because hey, you don't look so good, dude. You know you're you're not holding up at the point. And I do realize that you know the scheme is different than the Joel Steed Casey Hampton days. It's not just sit there and be an anchor. Sometimes it's you attack a gap, slant, and sometimes they can use that momentum against you if you if you guess the wrong way, if you slant left and the play wants you to go left. But still, I mean, it, it's a little bit alarming, and I think that's why he played so much. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the one guy that I do think 
actually looked okay and also played late in the game was Daniel McCullers, as odd as yeah. it is to say that. Yeah, right. I mean, often they will use the preseason to get these guys in, quote, football shape, and I think it's more so with McCullers than anyone in recent memory. But he made some plays, and he pushed the pocket a little bit. He chased down a quarterback. I mean, he's not going to chase down many quarterbacks, but he's still in contention for that sixth defensive line spot, even though, you know, it came up last last night. We were watching TV, and it's like, this is his fifth year of the Steelers. We both looked at each other like, he's been doing this for four years already? You know, like, when's the project over? Yeah, it made me laugh and right. at the same time cry. Uh, right, so, right. so does this guy, and uh, I'll let intern Jerome ask this question. He wants to ask a question, and it is his final day as our intern, so we'll let him ask oh. this question, but I think I know who you're going to say. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think I know who you're going to say. I think I know what the question is, too. Yeah. Okay, so my question for you is, one surprise cut that the Steelers will make by the end of training camp, who's on this roster that everyone's almost guaranteeing to be on the roster that you will think will not be a September 9th against the Browns? Hmm. Um, I think there's a couple candidates. Chickalo. I mean, I think everyone just assumes he's the number three, but those two young pups behind him looked awful good, and what if they only keep four? Um, Hayward Bay, I think, absolutely could be. You know, we saw, we've seen a couple of these young receivers you know, do quite a bit. But the one that I'm leaning towards, yeah, and baby. I don't think this is Yeah, true, baby. Yeah, baby. That, Here it is. I'm ready is. for it. Let's it, go. Let's Mat- do it. It's Matikavich. I mean... And I never thought of it until last night, and we were sitting there on the air, and someone wrote in or called in and said, you know, what are you thinking about Matikiewicz? And the more I'm thinking about it, I'm sitting there going, certainly he is not a starter. And I just came to the conclusion on the air last night that what does he do for you? I mean, if people get hurt and he's on the field, he's just going to get picked on. You know, so... Is he just a roster clogger that, yeah, he's third on the depth chart right now for two spots, I mean, to back up the two spots, but in the end, if he's not good enough, then I don't want him. I think that that is all true. You're not going to see him cut just because... I'm sure it's unlikely. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unlikely, unless they were to... sign the Bowman exactly. or something like that, Go out to be even considering. Uh, I did go back and watch some of the game from last night, Matt, and... Uh, one thing I missed live was Terrell Edmonds getting in on a couple plays around the line of scrimmage. I mean, he can do it. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no, I thought there was a question coming. Well, yes, I, I agree. You see him expand it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, he flashes consistently. I know they're really excited about him. I understand why. You know, again, look at him like he's a run-and-hit linebacker. Don't look at him like he's Earl Thomas or Ed Reed in deep patrol. And I'm not saying he can't play off the ball or he can't be a cover-two safety, but think of him as a run-and-hit linebacker, a guy to match up on tight ends and the uh, Christian McCaffrey's of the world and Duke Johnson's of the world. You know, that he's everything Matikiewicz isn't. (laughs) Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley show. What'd you think of Chooks Okorafor? Yeah, highly promising. Just one day, but still, you know, he started, and that's a very good and extremely deep defensive line. You know, he's going up against Chris Long to start the game. You know, he's been an NFL player for a long time and successful, and um, the guys he played against were much better than you would think in a week one preseason game. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of us were concerned, and still should be, that who's this number three tackle? You know, Hubbard's gone. Gilbert has a history of missing time. Who's going to be the, the, the swing guy, especially with Hawkins going down? And I'm not saying Chooks is, but I feel a lot more comfortable about it now than I did before the game. What do you think about the guards? Uh, you have faith in Finney and Filer? Yes. Um, I'm a big Filer believer, and, and I think he really is a guard. He could also be a right tackle in a pinch. I think B.J. is best at center. I mean, he's a stumpier guy that he, he, you don't have to be really long at guard, but length helps a little bit, and he doesn't have it. But I think he's the better player of the two at guard, but I think it's maybe closer than people think. We saw last night James Washington go up and get a football in the first quarter. He tried to go up and get one, and it looked really awkward, so I was really happy to see him do that going up over Avante Maddox. Uh, He's relieved a lot of my concerns that I had going into training camp, that he can be a deep threat in this league. Uh, Maybe not, uh, certainly not to the effectiveness of a Martavis Bryant with the home run speed and the touchdown machine that he was, but I feel better about him now than I did three weeks ago. I do, too, and he keeps making plays every time you watch the guy, whether it's game action or, or practice or minicamp or every test, he keeps showing up in impressive fashion. You know, I mean, a lot of big plays. However, uh, I, I have heard a couple birdies say that the nuances of the game and the adjustment from such a spread system doesn't exactly ensure that he's going to be the number three a couple weeks from now. Wow, interesting. And Ben Roethlisberger said on the DVE Morning Show uh, last week that he hasn't had any reps with him at this point, and that would kind of point to what you're saying as well. Right, right. I mean, I, I think when they drafted him, they looked at him as a little bit more of a project than maybe all of us just assumed that, boom, he'd be the number three. And I assume Hunter would be that guy for now. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think the talent's obvious. I think he's you know, a good value as a second-round pick. As Coach Tomlin says, a good pedigree player. But, you know, we'll see what's asked of him. I mean, the thing is, though, Martavis Bryant really only ran like four or five routes. Right. You know, it wasn't like he was the, the most complex wide receiver out there either. I mean, he has different and more gifts than Washington. But that third guy, you don't need him to do a ton. I mean, even Sammy Coates, when he was pretty effective for a month or six weeks, he basically just ran fast down, down the sidelines. Yes. Well, and that's kind of the concern with Washington is he can't run all that fast down the sideline. <laughs> no, but he does play, attack the ball in the air and right. play bigger, and he is. I think he plays faster than a 4-5 flat type of guy, too. But, no, he's not a burner. He's not Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson. This is going to scare the heck out of people and fly by him. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, the running back room. Suddenly looking pretty darn good, huh? Yeah, it's getting fuller, apparently. Not that they've even added anybody, but Connor's not hurt and looks way better and thinner and more explosive and better in the passing game, both facets as a receiver and blocker. And my new crush is Ridley. You know, I really think Ridley's a good player. Believe it or not. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's not a super accomplished receiver, but he's not bad in that area. I don't know what kind of special teamer he is. And if he doesn't make the team, I could see that being the reason why. But he's been successful in this league. He looks like he's fresh and in shape. I think he has good feet that if Bell were to miss time and Connor were to miss time, I wouldn't mind handing the ball to Ridley for two or three games. No, I wouldn't either. And you mentioned it yesterday. 
there's a team in the National Football League or multiple teams thinking, cut that guy. Yeah, right. I mean, he'll be my number two. I think he's an NFL number two running back. Last couple of things here for Matt Williamson on the Crowley show. Uh, we didn't touch on those outside linebackers all that much, apart from just the brief comments about Anthony Ciccolo. Um, but the uh, Danny kid, uh, he looked really good yesterday. Keon Adams looks good. And then Dale's in love with, uh, maybe that's too strong a word, but uh, with Farrington Huguenin. Right, right. So, you know, back to the question, I mean, is Ciccolo... Should he just be granted a spot? I mean, I know he's more trustworthy, he's more experienced. He'd be a number three. I mean, he's going to get in games and be dressing every day. But I hate those, you know, roster cloggers. You know, that's what I said about Matikiewicz. Like, we can only wait so long, and if all you are is a bottom-of-the-roster guy, why don't we grab someone else to do that that maybe moves up in the world? Right. Matt, appreciate the time, man. Absolutely, dude. What do you say we do it again next Thursday for a couple hours uh, late at night? Uh, sure. Absolutely. And then uh, you at camp in the meantime. I'm sure. And then we'll do the post game show. That too. <laughs> <laughs> See you there. Well done. Bye. Goodbye. He missed my one joke that I had in the middle there. He said, "Man, this Ridley guy—he could be my number two wide receiver, or pardon me, my number two running back." And I said, "Yeah, believe it or not, Ridley." Sometimes people just can't keep up with your humor. I'm just that quick. Yeah. Also, as Good he, one, by the way. Thank you. I thought I was very proud of that. I looked at Tom, gave him a little wink-ski there. Uh, I am, though, uh, upset about the way that I ended the interview. Uh, there was the awkward pause, and that was because my wife texted me and I read it, which is something you shouldn't do until the commercial break. Well, now you got to share. Yeah, what you say? If you want to get some... Oh, boy. Now you're in it now, Keep going. Now you're in it. you got to read it. I'm going to a wine bar. Is Walco coming to our house? Whoa! Okay, who's Walco? I have so many questions. So I dove into this, uh, not uh, not having said what I. You just said what she say. If you want to get some, is what the first thing she said in this string of text. But the question was, you want wine? I should have been more specific there. Yeah, that ended a lot. I thought that would be a lot cooler. See, what I thought was like, Woko, if he's coming over, you're not getting any. So make sure he's not there if you want some when I get home from the wine bar. Look, guys, I just lied to you. Coming up next, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. You're listening to The Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. What happened to Cooch? I don't know how many times I'm allowed to say Cooch before I get in trouble, so... You're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with Cooch. No! Adam Crowley. Cooch be good. I love Cooch, in fact. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Braden tweets about my Ridley's Believe It or Not joke from the last segment. Matt missed the joke because it was bad. I missed it until you said it again because it's Ripley's, not Ridley's. I don't think many people got it because it sucked. <laughs> I'm so happy you're back listening live again, Braden, <laughs> so that we can have these chummy interactions. I get the sense, and not that there's anything wrong with this, because we're a team here, but I get the sense that Braden has fallen out of love with me and big time in love with you two. Like, you guys are the reason he listens to this show. You think Braden likes me and Tom? Better than me, without a doubt. Hmm. Without a doubt. Definitely you, although he's falling in love with Tom because of Tom's Twitter, which you what? can follow him at. 
Button Pusher 970. Do you think he still likes you, though? Or is it is it gr- falling all the way to hate? Is does there he, a hatred Does now? he tolerate you to, like, get to us? There is no <laughs> hatred, but I do think that there is some toleration, just like, so that he can hear from you guys. Like, I'll deal with the Crowley yes. so I can hear shirtless Tom. Yes, I, I, I think that that's the case. And, of course, you can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. And, in fact, all y'all snowflakes out there, you can tell me if you like Brian and Tom more. I ain't hurt. We're a show. We're a team. I, I can say brothers. I can say from my point of view, I like you the best. I like me the best too, but I'm me. <laughs> and then I like Brian the second best. Oh no! Oh, no. Golf, oh, no. shirtless Tom, Atlantic Ocean. You should like intern Jerome. You should like me and shirtless Tom equally. You guys are separate but equal. <laughs> you can't put us on like. Wow. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, but thank you for liking me better. Well, <laughs> Tom, Tom, and I need to get back in in each other's good graces because there are two times recently that there has been some friction between me and Tom. A couple Ten- of days ago, light tension, light tension. I was editing the cheese tease the other day <laughs> uh, in iMovie, which is just sassafras. It's ass. I hate it. And Tom wouldn't shut the hell up. I said, Tom, shut the hell up. Then at the post game show last night, Tom had a lot going on. His first time he ran the Steelers broadcast. Did a hell of a job too. Hell of a job. You know what? We'll give a little hand. Let's uh, pat Tom on the back again. And we're going into the post game show, and I needed a couple of cuts so I could go through the scoring summary. Oh wait, I didn't see. I was out of the room. Did did it get? It got weird. Tom, oh, I was no. trying to tell him which cuts I need, and Tom goes, "You just do it. Just do it, and, and we'll do it." Just do it, we'll do it. He goes, I don't care the order you're doing, just do it. And I was taken aback. Uh, friendship was fractured slightly. And I am demanding an on-air apology. I uh, will not apologize. So let me. I do think it's training camp, though. I think that the separation, it's kind of like a dog. Whenever something uh-huh. new happens, you're introduced to a new environment, they get a little nervous, a little anxious. Excuses. I think he's in the studio. He's out of the studio. He's in the studio. I don't know what the hell's going on now anymore. Crowley's so you know dog. what? I, yeah, I think that's the problem. So we just have to make it till Tuesday, man. Can I ask, Tom, were you like, yet last night when he came in there and you kind of like snapped at him a little bit, I guess? No, I didn't snap at him. He was you, snapping. Did you know what you were doing and you just didn't need any input from anybody and you were... You were ready to go? Is that what was happening? No, I think that I didn't want too much input. I didn't want to overload on the input that Crowley was giving me. He was giving me a lot of direction, and so, I honestly just needed to kind of decompress a so little Crowley, bit. So, Crowley, do you think that you could maybe understand Tom's side of it when you're asking for cuts? Tom... Or at least understand. Tom had know? never run the post-game show before, and I said, Tom, we're going to come back with a couple of highlights here. And he said, Okay. And you gave me the order. And the I gave you the order of the highlights. Well, let's not think of it as an order. Think of it as a suggestion. No, we no, were no, no, the literal order on which the highlights oh, were. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, my, yes. Bad. my bad. My no, bad. I ain't ordering anyone around. I was trying to be. No, no, but I, I, appreci- I appreciate that effort by you there. That See, that is very good mediation. We were trying to determine the order in which the cuts were going to be played, and we got that down. Pfft, easy peasy. I mean, that is pfft, easy shiz, right? Probably show 101 right there. Hundo yeah. percent. And what happened was I needed to tell him that I was going to do the scoring summary first when we had originally said 
I was going to do my fantasy update, and I was going to do the scores from around the league before uh, the Steelers scoring summary, and I was trying to tell him that, and what he thought I was trying to tell him was the order of the cuts, which we had already figured out, and he said, I know that, I know that, I know that. I said, you don't know it, because you don't know what order I'm doing it. Yeah, look, Crowley called an audible with about a minute to go, and it's preseason game one, so you know my communication just wasn't where it needed See, to be, I, I guess. I, I find in these situations that when you're quick to get angry or upset, that there is some underlying tension there. And so maybe you guys just need to work it out a little bit. I mean, you just Tom, try to put yourself in Crowley's shoes and, and understand the, the miles that he walks. Tom, or Crowley, you do the same to Tom. Understand. You think of yourself on that side of the board. I mean, he's just a producer. He's not just a producer. Okay, see, right there. That's, it makes it hard I, no, for me to walk I, in his shoes when Tom, he does, does that. He undermines it. I mean, when you screw up, it's Crowley screwed up on the postgame show. It's not about the worthless guy hitting the button. No, Crowley. It's it's the adjectives that you use. What do you mean? Like worthless. I didn't say that. Uh, no, Tom is not worthless. Oh, I thought I just thought that. Tom contributes. Oh. No, I apologize. This is good. We're getting it out. Like, I apologize. You, now, I... Tom, you're not worthless. No one I thinks you are. That. No, you hit buttons better than anybody else. I don't feel like Crowley's trying. Droke. Jerome, Jerome could have uh, <laughs> Jerome could have done that. No, he couldn't. That's true. No, he couldn't you know what? Thank okay, you. Now you're just lashing out. Braden says that <laughs> underscore Adam Crowley. You're like the Jerome of the Crowley show. Oh, no. Jerome is like the Jerome of the Crowley show. <laughs> Jerome is the Jerome of the Crowley show. <laughs> Not anymore. I got to fall on Tom's side just a little bit here, though, man. I'm not feeling respect coming from it's the you. right side to fall on. All right, so here's what needs to happen. Braden, apologize to me, please. Tom, I'll accept an apology. Uh, Brian, I would like you to fall on my side. You can make a case. I mean, I already made my case. Tom was worthless. It's a bad job again, by with him. the adjectives. Here we go again. Tom, what time is it? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. I mean, if I was over there, I could hit that button myself. Woo! But you're not. That's why Tom's valuable. Oh, that's the thing? Yeah. You can't do both. Tom, I Paul, I think it is the I think it is the distance. Usually I just look through this pane of glass, right in your eyes, and I can tell what you're worth. But when I'm on the other side of Latrobe, I miss the nuance. I miss the quiver in your lip. I miss the sparkle in his eyes. I miss the sparkle in his eyes. I miss the sparkle in his eye. The NFL is still king, despite the reports of its early demise. The top 17 trending topics on Twitter last night were all NFL related. Chris Carter tweeted that the Browns are the most improved team in the NFL because of the quarterback position. Boy, I watched Baker, and he looks like he gets it. That being said, it's preseason. That being said, they were 4-0 in the preseason last year. That being said, I ain't buying it. They're going to be better. They will be improved, and I guess percentage-wise, anytime they win a game, yes, they might be the most improved team in the National Football League. I, I, I can follow that line of thinking. But they don't expect them to be a factor for the playoffs. 
I don't expect them to be a factor for 500. So let's tap the brakes. We watch the Browns play one preseason game. We see them on hard knocks. Why do we do this every year? We do. We, the media, do it every year where one team looks good in preseason and we say, oh, this is the next great team. It's the preseason. It matters not. Last year, we saw Deshaun Watson not throw a touchdown pass, and yet he led the National Football League in touchdown passes through eight weeks. Last year, we saw Nate Peterman in 56 attempts not throw an interception, and then in his first ever career NFL start, threw five. Preseason matters to an extent. We'd all be wise to remember that. Saquon Barkley's going to the Hall of Fame. His first carry, 39 yards right out of the chute. Whoop, 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 whoop. Down the sideline. Nasty. Nasty. I'm telling you guys what. Do not take anything that you see in the preseason too seriously, but Saquon Barkley's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I would not... I would not say the Browns are going to be a good football team. I don't know if Andrew Luck is all the way back. I don't know if he's totally healthy. But Saquon Barkley is going to the Hall of Fame. Also, Andrew Luck looked really good. And I think maybe the Colts are going to the playoffs. Whose bust's going to look better? Baker Mayfield's? Or Saquon Barkley. They're both going to the Hall of Fame. You know what? I think the Browns are making the playoffs. You guys, they're beating the Steelers in week one. I already told you that before. I already told you before. This preseason means a hell of a lot. Good job during the great unsponsored football segment, Tom. Really. That's how you get along. Right there. Woo! And to call you worthless when you make up a lot of the funny of the show is not fair. No. I would never say that to Brian. Thank you. It's really, really hard to be away from you. I think, that, look, every great relationship, every true friendship has a bump in the road. You guys have just a little speed bump. Nothing my, you can't get over. My throat. It's not a huge mountain. I'm so sorry. You should probably hug. Do you accept my apology? Here, let's hug. We good? Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Coming up next, Juju's lit. It's a Crowley show.